Hey guys, it's Kyle. Uh, you're going to hear us talking a lot in the show about an interview at the end with Ricky Berger. Uh, Russ and I went to a fundraiser last night for the Museum of Sports. Uh, Ricky and Lou Scheinfeld, who used to be Ed Snyder's right-hand man, are trying to get this built down at the sports complex. Uh, pretty cool stuff. We talked to Ricky about what they're working on with the project. Uh, however, uh, when I went to edit in the audio, I realized there's a lot of background noise since we recorded it in a crowded bar, and it needs a little bit of work and editing. So we will feature that interview after a show uh, next week, but so we can get the show up in time. Uh, we're just going to post it without it. So you'll hear us talking about it, but it's actually not at the end of the episode, and uh, it'll be up next week. Enjoy the uh, the rest of the show. What is up? Welcome to Crossing Broadcast. I am Adam Lefko, joined as always by Kyle Scott, a.k.a. Crossing Broad, and my man Russ, a.k.a. at Julian Broad. I am at Adam Lefko, and while everyone is excited about the future meeting between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather last night, Russ and Kyle met for the first time at an event for the Museum of Sports. And they met Derek Barnett. Fellas, what was it like to meet each other in the flesh? Uh, Russ is better looking than I expected. Yep, that's that's where Kyle went right away. <laughs> hey, I, attractiveness. I, I appreciate that he didn't, he didn't venture elsewhere. Um, it was it was a uh, quite an interesting evening, and uh, I, I was looking for Kyle in this very large parking lot and I saw his neck beard, and that was exactly how I knew it was him. Rolled up in a very nice car, Adam. I mean, we're we're talking uh, like four years worth of my salary. Honda kind of. Civic. Oh no, I don't want to out him because Suburban I don't know. Station wagon. I don't know. I don't know if Kyle would be uncomfortable with the make of his car being discussed on the podcast. Yeah, well, you're just gonna keep talking about it then, huh? But yep. Yep, uh, I would just. Uh, so you, know. you guys last night, uh, I saw that you had this, uh, this. I'll correct the record that I shaved the neck beard, so I don't appreciate uh, that because I specifically good. shaved the neck beard. I saw you guys had a lot of fun you on just Twitter. Have, it's talking a very about the fact tall beard. I, I heard that you guys were talking about Russ taking his lemon out of his drink. That was a thing. So let me talk. Uh, hold on, I want to get your opinion on this. See, so he has to preface sitting, this because he got whooped on Twitter last night. We're sitting there having a conversation. My father-in-law came, and he's gotten big into soccer lately. So him and Russ were talking about, uh, you know, the seventh level of European soccer. Man, top and, five conversations I'm trying to get my girlfriend to get me out of right there. <laughs> oh, so, Russ and Kyle's father-in-law? Let me join in on this one. So I look over at Russ, and he's we, we got a couple of waters. My wife went and got us some waters because we thought we were going to talk to Derek Barnett. We'll talk about that in a second. And I look over, and Russ had taken the lemon out of his bar water and just laid it uh, on the top of the booth that we were standing at. And uh, I've never—that's the weirdest thing I've ever—I've ever fucking seen. And I tweeted about it. And apparently, I'm—I'm I'm in the minority here. Russ, a, did you squeeze the lemon into your drink before placing it on the counter? There was no spritz, none. B, did you have a napkin? Or did you just decide to put it on a hardwood and then give it a, another stain? Hardwood. Keep going. Uh, Is that all you got? Yeah, that's it. So let me uh, let me backtrack here a second. Uh, I don't like having a lemon put on my drink. I oh. like I like having a lemon put in or on my drink if I've seen it uh, be sliced. 
I don't like the concept of bar fruit just ending up on my beverage because I have no idea how long that slice has been sitting there. I have no idea how sanitary the person who like put it on my drink's hand was. If you're wiping down a bar, Dude's asking for freshly sliced lemons like guacamole. I'm saying, I'm saying that if side. no, I'm saying like if if I'm gonna have some fruit on or around my glass, I want to like know that the person who handled it didn't have like dirty hands oh or that so it was just... there, are there certain restaurants that you're like oh i'm at the ritz i'll eat your dirty lemons no like i <laughs> i don't know man yeah that I just, sounded I really I've, never, I've never been a big fan of of putting a, a lemon on my drink i've always found it to be like this unnecessary garnish and if it's been sitting in a little tub with like these other lemons that's been like sitting on the bar I don't necessarily want whatever is inside of that lemon, whatever kind of microbial stuff. Somebody shared a really good article uh, in don't, in this debate. Don't go down a rust wormhole of like talk. I don't need the details. I get it. It's a dirty fruit. I've heard this before. Speaking of dirty fruit, hold on. I what have, else hold would on, you I'll not want in your drink? Six one zero three three two. I got oh, a couple no. emails that people were upset with that. Was it a couple? Because you you sent yeah, us, you always say couple you, sent us, and you get you one. You sent us the one. And and I went back and listened to that show with my wife on our way to King of Prussia the other day, and uh, it was it was a total of four. Adam had two, and I had two. I think there was a tweet and an email. What I were do they think saying? Were we two. do it too much. Yeah. They, yeah. They what else it, do you th- do too much? <laughs> <laughs> all right, hold on. I have a couple two two thoughts on on the lemon thing. First of all, you're wrong in that you don't like the lemon in the water. Lemon always makes the water better. Yeah, I don't care t- about the quality it does of the lemon. Tastes good. Second of all, yeah, if you like, do it yourself, what you, what you just said about the lemon could apply to restaurants or any food that you order anywhere. Like, yeah, yeah right, Russ. It's like I don't like hamburgers unless I see them process it right in front of me because I don't know if the guy in the back. Like, yeah, that's ridiculous. So my, my when I tweeted this, I would say the response was sixty forty in favor of Russ. No, that lemons are gross. No the, way. No freaking way. You got nay nay. <laughs> you might have had one. <laughs> One at most two people side with you. No, disagree. It was more than that. absolutely. But let me, let me, I'm going right, to tally let, this up while we're doing the show. Okay, let me just let me just quick finish. The point is, I cannot believe how many people responded and said almost like in unison that those things are covered in human fecal matter. And apparently, someone sent me a link to a Huffington Post article, and indeed. Um, they, people have swabbed those in a random blind placebo test of bar lemons and found that 70% contain microbes and a good, and 50% of them contain human fecal matter. So, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm still going to order the lemon. In fact, I'm the guy, when I finish the water, I take the lemon out and I eat the lemon wedge. So now I'm really grossed out. Oh, oh yeah. That's a little too far. All right. So like Derek uh, Barnett, why didn't you guys interview him? What happened? Well, so, what was the event? How was the event? Can, was it fun? Can I say, first of all, he was he was not as big as I thought he was going to be. So, Russ, the only thing I'm going to say to that is uh, uh, for the last like two, like two three years, we've had NFL players and NBA players coming to Bleacher Report like all the time. And it used to be a running joke that when NFL players would come in, we would look at each other and go, 
whoa, like they're a lot smaller than we thought they were going to be. Like the most famous one was Byron Jones when he was out of UConn and then he got drafted by the Cowboys. And during the whole draft process, we were all like, dude, I saw Byron Jones. He's really tiny. He can't do it. Meanwhile, he ends up being like one of the better safeties like in the league and like defending Gronk. So it's NFL players are always smaller than you think and NBA players are always taller than you think they're going to be. I'll say that from the smaller portion though, Russ, I like that he didn't have a gut. He kind of looked like he was in shape. Like that made me excited from looking at Kyle's video. Which yeah, he wasn't. I heard he he wasn't rocking the Jaleel Okafor workout yes. regimen. Yeah. No, he was. He was in very good shape. But yeah, like I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I don't know how this guy is gonna get a get around offensive linemen. I mean, he looks quick enough, but he's not that tall. And it, I've seen linemen in person before, and they're usually pretty big and burlesque and. uh he was anything but. Like he looked like he Burlesque? would be. A... <laughs> is that not the right word? No. Is he gonna no. be like wearing a corset and, <laughs> and like ta- like trying to like get men to follow him? Like that's why they, is that burlesque? He's gonna be singing show tunes from Chicago. I think there's multiple <laughs> meanings for that word. Anyway, he looked I'll, like. No, you want to like say a, you wanted to say burly. Burly. He looked is, like he would be an a... undersized three in the NBA, which uh, no. I don't know. I don't no. know. I don't know if that's what I want out of my defensive line. But uh, the event was good. It was for the Museum of Sports. Uh, we're going to have Ricky Berger, who's one of the two guys raising f- uh, funds for it. They're trying to get this museum built um, down next to Lincoln Financial Field in the Jet Row building. He's partnered with a guy named Lou Scheinfeld, who was uh, Ed Snyder's longtime right-hand man. He used to be the VP, I think, of at differing times, the Sixers, Eagles, and Flyers. So those guys are spearheading this. That's what the event was for. It was a fundraiser. It was Derek Barnett's first uh, appearance, I guess, locally. And uh, we thought he was being paid to be there from 7 to 8. We thought we were going to be able to get him. Uh, they said up front you should be able to get him for 5 to 10 minutes. He was there with two guys from uh, Dynasty Sports, which he has an exclusive collectible deal with, I guess. And his handler, uh, I think he's represented by Drew Rosenhaus, so this guy who was with him, pretty young guy, worked for Rosenhaus. I got the sense he was fairly new at his job or whatever, because if only because he was so young. But he was there and kind of tasked with uh, you know, keeping people's paws off Barnett and uh, making sure people like us didn't uh, wrangle him. So it was like 8 o'clock, right when they were supposed to be done. Ricky, I guess, said to Barnett's handler, hey, do you have time for a few you know, the, the interview we talked about, Russ and I had our podcast set up over in the corner. We had the mics ready to go. Uh, our tech was actually working, which was impressive because it was just my laptop. Uh, so it was a little bit bootleg, bootstrap. Um, and I guess Barnett looks at his handler and his handler just shakes his head and he says, he's like, now nah, we got to go. And he's like, got the, his handlers carrying the, his to-go bag. So I knew it wasn't looking good for us. So Russ is like, nudging me he's like get over there get over there they didn't leave yet get him get him and he wanted me to go like stand in front of barnett and prevent him from leaving the leaving the restaurant so we that wasn't no what happened was i'm gonna i'm gonna you know clear the record here ricky had said sounds like you guys had a great time together ricky ricky said that there was he talked to the one guy i guess barnett had two handlers and he said he talked to the one guy and he deferred to this other guy who was in the bathroom and I said to Kyle, we should at least talk to that guy. We should say, like, one thing to him. If they shut it down, they shut it down. But on the off chance that the guy says you okay. Guys needed me. 
You know, it's just That's, like that is what I said. I said this is this is a situation Adam I've literally has a been bit in that situ- in. I've literally been yep. in that situation a thousand times where you just got to power move the the guy and you got to you got to just kind of be in his ear the whole time. It's annoying because they're the people that have all the power and then at the end they they want you to to be cool with the fact that it didn't happen. And it's like no, the only reason I was talking to you is to make it happen. It's tough. <laughs> it's a really hard yeah. situation. But Yeah, it is. But apparently, but all, Dark, but Barnett, all, Dark Barnett was focusing on other things like holding the ring for a guy to propose on his first night working. I, I don't. I don't think it was his first night working. Oh, Dark Barnett's first. Yes. Night. Yeah. So Barnett was uh, Ricky, who's on at the end of the show, was uh, was getting engaged to his girlfriend at the event. And uh, I actually knew about it beforehand, which is why I had the, the camera ready to go. And I guess the day before, he had reached out to Barnett and his agent and said, hey, could Derek Barnett be a part of this? And he, he gave him the ring. So Barnett was tasked with holding the box in the ring. And Ricky gave a speech about uh, you know Barnett's journey and the journey to get the, the, um, the museum built. And, and then he followed it up with a journey of his own. And, and Derek Barnett with his first uh, major assist in Philly, looking... Uh, he was a pretty good sport about it because if I'm if I'm Barnett, that is that is an awkward spot for a for a 22 year old kid. Uh, I have been told that I am not allowed to comment too much on the video that can be found on uh, Kyle's Twitter account at Crossing Broad of the proposal. Uh, it really frustrates me uh, that I can't. Uh, I'm a huge uh, commenter on other people's proposals, even though I have never proposed before. I find the entire situation fascinating. Um, Just for uh, little notes, if you're going to go back and watch it, of moments that I really enjoyed. Uh, One, uh, what's the guy's name? Ricky? Um, Yeah. Ricky had a hell of a fist pump in there that I really enjoyed. Uh, If you'd really like to enjoy it, just watch Derek Barnett, the entire video. Uh, his golf clap is unrivaled, and uh, one of my favorite parts that I think goes unfor- that you won't see it the first time through. Brian Prop, who I was told was a flyer in the '80s, which Russ acted like I f- didn't know who Eric Lindros was. Meanwhile, like you Russ in the, the '80s, worst. he doesn't know anybody in the '80s. Uh, he's in a. I wasn't green- alive in the '80s. <laughs> he was whatever. Uh, uh, Russ, uh, Brian Prop is wearing a green jacket and a pink shirt. And as after the proposal, some really old dude in like he's like in his 80s, literally amongst all of the wedding hysteria, goes over to Brian Prop and gets like an autograph on a puck while the proposal is still going down. <laughs> I there, didn't see it's that. it's yeah, exactly. I'm telling you, I this is my like Zapruder film. I I found it to be one of the best proposal videos I have ever seen. Uh, there are so many things that can keep your attention. Credit to Barnett. I mean, that's an awkward spot for anybody to be in, yeah. let alone a guy. He had only been there for less than an hour. You got all these these people around you who just want to get their picture taken with you or meet you or get an autograph, and and he uh, becomes the becomes the key cog in a wedding proposal here, for here someone he's never I met. Thought, so that's. I thought me freaking out and saying Derek Barnett stunk that like I had a lot of stake in whether or not his career is going to be good or bad. Dude, Ricky Berger just went all in on Derek Barnett because if he ends up being Marcus Smith, um, then it's just, hey, oh, we have a beautiful marriage. If he ends up breaking Reggie Wright, Wright's record, 
I mean, you get to talk about your engagement every day. Every every Sunday he gets a sack, you go, he gave me the ring. Well, so so we, we did talk to him and uh, briefly his, his now fiance, Lanny, at the end. And I said to them, I was like, he, you know, I, I hope you're an Eagles fan because he's now a big part of your existence. So, yeah, I agree. There's a lot riding on that. Um, oh, by, by the, the way, for the I, Barnett thing, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to do a quick uh, Twitter update. It, the vote was 18 to 2, Kyle. Oh, 18 to 2. Nope. Wrong. I'm just telling you what the polls say. And the polls say 18 to 2. Well, That's let great. me throw in one more Anti before, we move on, before we move on here and everyone tunes out because we haven't talked about a thing yet. Uh, I want to point out that while we were leaving, Russ and I were talking to my wife and I brought up the lemon thing again, how weird it was. And I was trying to determine which of the three pictures I took that would be uh, most appropriate to show Russ hovering in the background behind his water and the, and the lemon while we're discussing this. Uh, I don't know, the topic of lemons, bar lemons came up and Russ mentions that he doesn't hate lemons. In fact, he likes, you know, he likes a citrus fruit well, occasionally in his you, drink. You, and I know he, you're going with he, this. He yep. mentioned that sometimes in his Corona, he doesn't no, mind that's a not, lemon mm-mm. or a lime, a lemon no, or I a lime. Said, no. Adam, please weigh in here. This guy is so, this is just, this is absolutely nonsensical. I said, I've seen people put lemons or limes in their Corona. I did That's not say no I am done. I have seen a lemon in a Corona. Thank you. Only when limes are not available. Thank you, Adam. If I get my tequila soda, which is my drink, and a bartender puts a lemon in it, I say, excuse me, get this devil fruit out of my liquid <laughs> and put in the correct green corresponding fruit. Uh, I just, guys, man, the sales pitch that you guys have for me to come down there to meet you two, I mean... Jeez, it sounds like you guys are a boatload of fun. Unreal. <laughs> you just, know, we you also wives and you got I'll arguments what, about fruit. Also, also learned some very valuable things about Kyle from Kyle's wife. She's very nice, and I I feel really bad for right her now? at this point. I you know she she may, you know uh, hey I'm not going to embarrass him. I I'm hoping that maybe he uh, learns where his laundry room is. That's the only thing I'm going to say. Um, but she Hold was on. very she was Time very out. nice. What do you mean by that? Kyle, what does he mean by that? <laughs> I don't want to trash him. You know, I'd First hate to all, be the guy who are you outs saying him as, that Kyle somebody... doesn't do laundry? Oh, I'm not saying. Now, see, I brought that up. I said, oh, well, how often does he do the laundry? And what are you doing? And she... why are you asking another man's wife that question? That's such no, a weird because question. because <laughs> the topic of appliances came up. Why did in, the topic in... <laughs> of appliances come up? I don't know, man. What are you like? Hey, do you like toasters, lady? <laughs> what? Why are you talking about appliances? I don't know, man. Something. No, Russ, something, we were deconstructing this. Why did you talk about appliances? I don't remember how how laundry came up, but she. I said, "Does Kyle do?" I think it was like, "Does he do things around the house?" And she, she was said, talking about what a scatterbrain I was, or whatever. Yeah, we yeah. And, late so, and, like, and I so I said, "Yeah," because he he shows up. Kyle Scott shows up uh, to this thing like an hour after he thought he was going to, and I'm like. Oh, he maybe he was doing stuff around the house. And so I was like, Kyle, how often do you do the laundry? And she's like, he doesn't even know where the laundry room is. And you were like, ooh, sick burn, Mrs. Scott. That's great. Well, um, long story. The long story, first of all, do know where it is because it's next to our garage and I have to pass through it every day. Okay. He the, looked for it last night after he got the, home. 
but we have we I have ne- I have never done wash in the year that we've lived in our new house. Our washing machine and dryer, our washing machine is like a goddamn spaceship. It must have the dial must have forty eight settings, and I swear to Christ, one of them is like a flyaway spaceship. And if you turn it the wrong way, the thing's just gonna get right the fuck up and fly out your door. I don't touch that thing. I'm afraid of it. So yeah, uh, so, I know where the room is. I don't know how to work the washer, and uh, I'm I'm proud of it. That was good insight. Um, this is a perfect example of right there. I could have gone, oh, man, Russ, that's a violation. And I could have taken something from radio. But that's not what we do here. We set the tone. And apparently, with radio, it goes the other way. Kyle, here's the deal. When someone's making a good transition, when you say that's a really good transition, it ruins the transition. I actually didn't think it was that good. That's what I was saying. Whoa, no, that was – no, he was about to (laughs) – Hold yes. on, Adam. Adam, redo that. We'll keep this in, but no, no. Do, do your transition. No, but ninety-seven-five. What was their topic yesterday? You guys were blown away. The Slack room was filled. So yeah, so uh, this isn't a bash ninety-seven-five uh, episode, but I got plenty, plenty, more than a couple of tweets about the fact that they spent the entire day talking about millennials and the difference between millennial sports fans and regular sports fans. Uh, this on the heels of us doing two shows about that. I think two posts in the last two weeks on the website about this very topic. Um, so they are. Um, I, I I'm not even gonna like try and sugar. They're like legit stealing our shtick now. They, their Twitter account has has morphed into like like our show sheet and uh, their millennial give me, topic. Give me examples. Like what was the topic? So so they spent the whole day like we did uh, on two shows over the last two weeks talking about. The differences between the millennial sports fan, why they're different than the average sports fan, why maybe the sports talk radio host doesn't understand the millennial mindset. And rather than talk about actual reasons why younger people are different, for instance, like viewing habits and stuff like that, it predictably turned it turned into all day of mostly Miss and Ellie and I guess Rob Ellis. I wasn't listening that much. This is just according to... That was at the uh, 1 o'clock, the 1 o'clock readers. hour of their show. Yeah, there was a crossover with Miss and Ellie and Ellis, and it basically just was them all day kind of bashing how millennials don't care, they don't demand excellence the way the old school guys. We don't have the the scars of losing to demand excellence from our team, and millennials who have been uh, their whole lives... It, given trophies aren't able to adequately uh push their sports teams to greatness uh it was we have about- nothing to do with the success of professional sports teams nothing nothing i hate this is what being a fan is being a fan is allowing yourself to not have control and and root for the really crazy schedules of professional athletes that are motivated by internal forces. You cheering on your couch, you t- typing on Twitter, you even being at the game have 1% to 0% impact. And that's only if you're at the game. We have no impact pushing us. No, no, we're a lazy generation of self-served adolescents. That's not the case. Get in the freaking radio booth, produce a show, and learn how to make content, and stop blaming young people for your, your shitty content. So let me, there is a, I will say that there is a sense 
And, and here's where we get into the newsy portion, and I got to be careful about how I word this here, but I would say there is a sense among some at the radio stations that the what you just described being lazy produce a show stop complaining is is not just us talking that there are people over at those places who feel the same way like these hosts are sitting in a studio in an air-conditioned studio talking about sports and going on the air and complaining about how difficult it is and complaining about how it's younger people are indifferent to what you do or prefer another medium is is lazy tired disingenuous so there is definitely some angst in that regard over there i would say the other thing on like the actual topic is to your point it's not that millennials don't uh, want you know demand excellence for their sports teams that sounds so goddamn hokey it's not that we don't want our teams to win it's i think as a generation we're a little bit more informed first of all generally speaking second of all i think we're more open to pragmatic approaches whereas the old school like rub some dirt on it put some ice on it generation was like well god forbid if we have more than one losing season get them out of here you know the old the old angelo cataldi style of radio i think a younger person at this point especially anyone who's like 40 and below being able to remember basically one championship in their lifetime among the four sports teams can look at the landscape and say, you know what? I'm actually okay with three, four, maybe even five years of suckitude if we think that it could breed good results. I think it's just a more pragmatic generation of people who, like, instead of just like, oh, yeah, let's go spend, let's go for it, they're not respecting us. I think we could sit back and say, you know what? Yeah, it's a few years. It's, it might suck, but if if we come out of this with Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Lonzo Ball, this may have all been worth it. Like I, I am always. I feel like on this show the most pragmatic, and I said this in the Slack room. Like the odds, like. Uh, I know that one of the Twitter accounts said, oh, yeah, no, we just came up with this idea on our own. And I said, look, there is definitely a chance that's possible. The The opposite is Russ. Russ, you definitely believe that they're they're stealing content. I'm going to – well, let me say it like this. Like, I, I don't think – Adam, you would know this better than me. I don't necessarily think the tops are, are proprietary in any way. But I was listening to the show – I want to say it was like around 12.15 yesterday – and my wife typically does not want to listen to sports talk radio in the car. And I said, let's just turn it on for the heck of it. And the the talking points that they had in, in the way that they ran the discussion about generational uh, ways of looking at sports and loyalty, it, it legitimately sounded as though they had taken our show sheet or that somebody had done an outline of our show and took a lot of the, the ways that we approach the conversation and, and approach it the exact same way. So like when they would say, um, older generations are more team loyal. What do you think about millennials? Oh, well, you know, millennials seem to, to, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an expert in this, but maybe millennials, uh, like, like players more than, than the teams. And so then there were like callers because of course there are a ton of callers there are callers that that were saying that like yeah you know as a as a millennial i i tend to like players like there was a guy who called in and talked about kevin garnett and said that like his his buddy was a kevin garnett fan not a sixers fan and and the way that it's like so hard i guess to explain without just listening back to like a half hour clip but 
the the way they approached the topic. Russ, let me do sounded, this. Sounded like like a copy paste. Russ, let me do this. Here's a handful of their tweets, real quick. Great show today on 97.5 Middays. This is from Rob. Uh, smart, fun discussion from folks of all ages and demographics about sports and life. Uh, Tune in now as we discuss how the different generations view sports, act as fans with Anthony Gargano, and Mike Miss joins us at one. And then I actually tweeted them at one point. I said, I wonder where the inspiration for this topic came from. They retweeted it, and they said, our producer, who is a millennial, uh, producer is Andrew Salchunas, and he's a young guy, and I'm, I'm sure he's fine. But <laughs> just because the producer is a millennial, I don't think he invented the topic of talking about millennials. And it, this would also be a... Uh, and then there's actually a handful of people saying, yeah, like, guys, this is your topic, tweeting me about it. Dear baby boomers, generation Xers and millennials, we want to hear from you. What makes you different? These are all the things we've discussed and that I don't recall ever seriously being discussed on Sports Talk Radio. Uh, it's also worth noting that two of their producers, and I, w- I won't say which ones, tried out for the two very, like, spots you guys are in on this podcast so to act like they aren't familiar or and or listen to the show is is uh laughable to me since two of them wanted to be a part of it Kyle, two months you ago. said uh wait what are the up what are the rating news and upcoming changes what do you got you actually have you have radio wars news for us so a little bit um so I in the post radio yesterday wars. in the post yesterday we talked a little bit about the ratings um yeah. well, angelo what's Cataldi the current can, update What's that? What, where are we standing? So Angelo Cataldi continues to dominate uh, upwards of, I guess, double the 97.5 morning show. There are some people uh, at both stations who are a little bit surprised that after John Marks left and Maureen Williams was fired, that they haven't made any significant, consistent, long-term change. Aton Shander is um, filling in in Marx's role alongside Gargano for the time being. And Jamie Lynch, who is Gargano's longtime producer, is a bigger part of the show. But there's a lot of people who are a little bit surprised that they haven't tapped a long-term co-host. It doesn't appear that Shander is the guy. And especially when you consider that they are struggling in the ratings as much as they are. I don't think they expect it to be. When you say struggling, how big is the gap? Uh, Like being doubled on some days by Cataldi. I don't think they expect it was. Like, uh, like, no, they were. Been that? There was a few months, I want to say, during football season, where I don't have the, the hard numbers in front of me, but I would say where they were within 20, 20% of them, maybe a share point. Like if Cataldi had a nine, I think they maybe got to like a 7.5, somewhere in that range. Um, I was told that this month they are uh, close to being doubled by Cataldi. So a little bit disappointing on their front. For the middays, the. W is surprising to me, the WIP midday show of Joe DeCamera, former 97.5 guy, and John Ritchie is doubling Harry and Rob, and I think that's why you're seeing so many varied topics on their show, because their ratings are are not good at all. Um, Was that always like that, too? Like, I I need to know, like, where it was and now where it is. Okay, yeah, so typically when Mike and Ike were in the the midday slot on WIP, they would typically beat whatever 97.5 was throwing at them. So uh, historically, lately, WIP has always won that time slot, but it's always been pretty close. And there was a few months, I want to say it was, I guess when Harry and Rob, it was was still Harry and Rob, um, but within the last year, there were months where 97.5 was, it was like neck and neck. And I think there was a month where 97.5 beat them or came very close to it within like one tenth of a share point. So the fact that they're being doubled by DeCameron Ritchie, which I think is kind of a snooze fest of a show a little bit, 
is is kind of surprising, especially because I think out of the four guys in that time slot, Richie, DeCamera, Mays, and um, Rob Ellis, I think Harry Mays is, is the best on the radio. I think we've talked about this. So for him to be getting doubled, not uh, not a, not great. I would expect that by the start of football season, typically the, the, you'll see some changes made in the summer in sports talk radio because everything is about gearing up. The summer book is kind of tossed out the window to begin with, but everything is kind of gearing up for football season, which is the big money season, especially in Philly. And I would expect that 90, I would be shocked if 97.5 went into the, the September with Harry and Rob still teamed up. Uh, what would seem to make sense is Jason Martinez, who's currently Mike's producer, being teamed up with Harry. They filled in for Mike for uh, six six or so weeks when he was out after back surgery, and uh, the reviews were actually good. Like That was the one show I got tweets about where it was like, hey... Um, uh, you know, this is good. It's different. They're talking a little bit about hockey. I think both guys are genuine. Like, it, Martitas really likes hockey, and he's a Flyers radio reporter, but it comes across. And Harry Mays is kind of your classic, like, degenerate, all-encompassing sports fan. And, you know, I mean that in a good way. Like, he, he sits around all weekend and watches games. You get the sense that he bets on them. He likes to go and, you know, he'll talk about cigars and, and all that stuff. And, you know, it, that's that's a bad description, I guess. But, you know, he's kind of your guy's guy sports fan, and it comes across. Whereas Missinelli is super disingenuous, and I think Rob Ellis is always just trying to figure out what the hell will make his ratings meter pop. Um, so I would expect that would happen, and I would expect they'll add something, someone on the, the morning show. I definitely think you're going to see changes there. At WIP, it sounds like uh, I, would ex- I would think they're pretty happy with their lineup. After the morning show, they've changed their entire lineup for um, over the past year, and I would think that they're not going to make any changes, especially since they're doing relatively okay in the ratings. And in the afternoons, Carlin and Reese are, are nipping at Missinelli's heels, and uh, he had been crushing them for a little while. So everything is kind of coming up WIP at the moment. Interesting. Though I don't know, that doesn't necessarily mean the shows are good. Like, I think Carlin and Reese is downright terrible. But um, uh, there, there's a sense among some, I would say, that Mike has been mailing it in a little bit lately. And I, I guess that's coming through Mike's on the air. show, from the bit that I've listened to it in the last couple weeks, sounds so much like Josh Innes after Andy Bloom got fired. It just sounds, it just sounds like lazy content that is that has just become so caller dominant where it's like, we're not going to like when Adam always talks about the idea of if you do a long show and he was talking about a show, was it in Louisville on Wednesday, Adam about like a five hour block, but having, having stuff pre-recorded and, and having a hook leading into commercial breaks. Like I couldn't tell you the last time that Mike had something even remotely similar to that on his show. It just feels like rolling out of bed, coming into work, having a, a real rough outline of like what he wants to talk about and then just saying, hey, callers are going to essentially dictate this show for the next four hours and that's going to become the majority of the content. Yeah. Speaking and, of which, let's and get that to sucks some Twitter because, questions. I'm just kidding. I mean, it sucks because there was a time where I thought Mizzanelli was was really, really good. I think yeah. it was sometime when I was in college, I remember thinking like, this guy, like I, I loved to listen to him every day. And and the current version of him is a shell of that, which is a and shame. I, I think there, and I, I'll say I would 
I think there are people at 97.5 at 97.5 who would agree with Russ's assessment there. All right, I think that's interesting. So that is your that is well, your current radio update. Currently, by the way, WIP. as we're doing this real time yeah. update, I, I get a tweet here. This is not this is not one of the incoming texts, but I do have a tweet here from a random guy uh, weighing in on the millennials and baby boomers, and I think this is appropriate here. Uh, boomers are responsible for raising a generation of spoiled brats who are now breeding a pack of whiny crybabies. So I'm not even sure which generation he's criticizing, but. I, I I find it fascinating when the boomer generation. You want to know the truth? You want to know the biggest reason that ahead. people believe this way? This is my new theory. My new theory is that baby boomers bitched and moaned too, except nobody heard it because they were just in their house. But now that everything is on the internet, we're hearing all of the stories. We're hearing all of the complaints. It wasn't like this before. When you won, when you grew up and you were 40 and 50, your friends were the only friends you got. Those people you didn't talk to in high school, you will never speak to again. But in our generation, everyone says anything. And I'm going to be really frank. You know who complains the freaking most on, on sites like Facebook? I mean, who responds to every post and every comment? My parents, older people, because they're sitting up there and they're going, well, Johnny posted this picture. So everyone in the world saw this picture. So I'm going to comment on this picture. That's not how it works. So look, every generation thinks the generations after them are dumb and selfish and lazy. They all think that it's been like the test of time that, oh, you guys did never had it as hard as we do. And it's the truth. Because technology makes things easier. And we are absolutely at a time where we do not need to focus on shelter and water and all that stuff because everything is so gosh darn convenient. In two days on Amazon Prime, my groceries are here. So it's it's just a different generation, but I think the older generations complain just as much. And I think it's just tired and stupid. Like, see that argument and then move past it. I agree with you, and and the, like, here, the boomers as a generation, and I know we, we have some like older listeners, but as a generation, they were dumb. This is this is a group of people who uh, like prided dangerous. themselves prided themselves on being misinformed, right? Prided themselves on this rubs. If you want to talk about sports analysis, like prided themselves on oh, you know, rub some dirt on it, get out there. Um, you know, is he seeing stars? Uh, let him let him go play. Like this is a generation that created the housing bubble. That created uh, you know like. Their entire existence was based on how much debt they could raise, how, how much financing they could take on to, to buy a bigger house, buy a boat. I saw someone tweet yesterday, buy diamonds. Uh, you know, They want to complain to us about eating avocado toast, and they were out there spending money on diamonds, the money that they didn't have. Created the housing bubble, started a bunch of stupid wars. The, the sort of people who got Trump elected president. Like This is not a, a particularly – they left – us with a whole lot of shit. And this goes back to that rant I had a couple of weeks ago, but it's like after the war, there was all this manufacturing and it just all created these like mega conglomerate disingenuous companies. People got, you know, people got comfortable in their jobs, raised credit. And then when everything got blown to shit, no one had money to pay for anything. And you, you destroyed the world, you created shitty food, you started bad wars and you made bad products. And now Man. younger people are like, Hey, let's not, let's, let's eat real food food let's uh you know like let's be a little bit more um thoughtful when we talk about stuff like nfl player concussions or whatever you know you'll hear old school guys oh well he missed he missed the game you know he, what a pussy well no actually you know his, his brain's fucked up 
Um, I, you know, there's so many different ways you can go in this rant, but I hate the fact when they're like, oh, you guys are entitled. No, actually, I just think we're like a little just a little bit more informed and reasonable than the last generation that we was are living lazier, on. Though. What's that? We are lazier, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and you know right, what? So uh, that, and some now of that Kyle so- Scott has, anal- has alienated uh, any forty-year-old-plus person that voted for Trump. That was no, that but was I great. had, I've had, I, uh. there were plenty of people who tweeted me who were like, "Hey, like I'm, I'm actually a little bit older," and I, I agree. Like we were, we were terrible. We fucked up a lot of things. Right. Speaking like, of speaking of tweets, uh, who is seen to have had the best shore house of the three of us? Definitely not me. Definitely not Russ. Uh, I think people respected your house, Adam, just because of the the sheer star power you had in there. Yeah. Um, Can I? I okay, I'm judging I, my audience. I think my audience appreciated the the Carter Burrell Utley Shore House. We did miss Joel and Bede. We got a lot of feedback yes, on this. We missed that was up. yeah. But I, I think should, like, I think part of that was our our discussion was skewed. Because Kyle said he wanted to do like the 2010 version. Oh, none of us right. picked any. No, nobody picked like none of us picked a, a current player. Because I would have picked Claude Giroux. He got, if you remember, he uh, he had a, a rough night out once and he touched a cop's butt. Yeah. And I thought that would have been like that would have been the perfect addition to the Kyle Scott house. I do want to say he's engaged now. He's settled down a little bit. I think. I think he's he's dialed it back. I'd be I'm, I'm more impressed as, uh, with his double cast beer pong playing a few years ago. That to me impresses me more than slapping a cop on the ass. For as wonderful as Adam's uh, shore house was, I will say it was really the baby boomer uh, house because it it didn't really take all that much thought because he picked the legends that everyone would want to go with, which is kudos to him because of course that would be the best house to go to. Yeah. But the fact the fact that. That not that many people have appreciated the the waxing poetic Avilia Brizgalov. It it is just an underrated aspect of of the uh, the Joy House. Someone said they would have had Darren Dalton during his crazy phase. In I your house. Yeah, I, I would have. You know what? That would have really taken it next level. I would have probably kept To in there. I don't know how you say oh. no. Somebody somebody went after Donald Brashear. I want to point out on Twitter. They're like, that was a stupid pick. I said, yeah, well, tell him to his face. And they're like, wait, tell Donald Brashear. Oh, all right, I get the point now. Now I get it. So, uh, were there keep, any other good Donald. recommendations, Kyle, from people about what who they would put in their houses? Uh, there were, and I, I have some here. Um, you guys talk about something for thirty seconds while I dig it up. So, so Adam, how often do you do your own laundry? Uh, I don't. I go uh, down on 18th and 8th, and uh, I'm I'm at a, a handshake high five level with the guys that work at the Quick Coin, and uh, I give them money to do it for me. Because do they know about the podcast? Uh, no. What? Why would I? Do- <laughs> hey, people that I talk to for 40 seconds every three weeks. Uh, no, they fold it too, dude. That's a, that's a, that's fold it's it? amazing. Yes. Whoa. And then I just drop it into my drawers. I'm telling All you, right, life, married. life How is much, about minimizing medial tasks. How much does it cost to You're get such your laundry washed, dried, and folded? If I, if I have, let's say, 20 pounds of laundry, then it costs me $20. That's not bad at all. It's not. Dude, it's like I would be, and I'm not. I don't have to sit there. I could drop it off before I go to work. I pick it up when I'm done. Yeah, I'm. I'm willing to spend money on things that are going to free me up from having to sit in a musty room on a weekend. 
All right, let's grade a couple of these shore houses. Yeah, I got one yeah, from yeah. Zach Berwick. He's going with five. Joel Embiid. Uh, he, I think he's pandering to the crowd here, but Joel Embiid, Jeff Carter, Lou Williams, kind of uh, out of left field, Wayne Simmons, and the legend okay. Pat Burrell. And he says he says he would bring Lou in because Lou knows how to throw them. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on that one? I guess he knows how to throw parties. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say is he brought in five, so he's eliminated. He's disqualified. Well, the question was originally five. Lou Williams rolls deep with an entourage, and uh, Lil Snoop, respect. Uh, he is no longer yeah, with us. Yeah, and he hung out with nice. like uh, with Bow Wow. He did. Are you familiar with Little Snoop Adam? I feel like he's yeah. He's he someone... passed away. He died. He, There's like a he... documentary coming out about him. No way. Are you serious? Yeah, Little Snoop died. Yeah, I know he died. I didn't. He's he's getting a documentary. I mean, when I say documentary, I think people used a camera and interviewed people, and then they they put words on the screen. Speaking of rappers who died, That's who are a... your favorite rappers? Six one zero six three two. That is a documentary. Uh, Matt Lombardo, Joel Embiid, Dario Saric, and Chris Long. <sighs> Wait, Matt, Matt Lombardo was one of the people invited, or Matt Lombardo sent in a shore house? Uh, Matt Lombardo sent in a shore house. Wait, uh, okay. What did he say? Who was uh, Joel Embiid, Dario Saric, and Chris Long. I think that's actually a great one. Chris Long is really funny. I agree. Yeah, I mean, just you're kind of plugging him in as a third wheel there. That would be my only no, concern. No, Chris Long, I think, would be a guy that he would end up being the star of that house. That's what I think one of the coolest things that, like, Kyle, you have to keep up with. Chris Long is going to purposely stand next to people this year, like LeGarrette Blunt, so their jerseys will say Long Blunt, or will stand next to Fletcher, and it'll be Long Cox. He is, he is gold for you. I'm looking forward to it. He already did the long cocks. We already have a good long cocks picture out there. Yeah, you, think he, you think he's going to be intentional with that? Here's what you need to realize is I have met Howie Long multiple times, and I have talked to him dozens, and he is the most type A, serious, disciplined guy ever, and that's the reason that his sons, Kyle and Chris, are just like loose cannons because they're like – they have his work ethic, but they're like, my dad's crazy, so I like to be loose. Like that's how I read that situation, and they're both they're both just absolute characters. Uh, all right, so uh, he would make a good addition to a shore house. Uh, Mike Novak. Here's one. Here's where I feel like people are not thinking this through. Uh, Ninety three Cruck, Burl, and Embiid. We all know Cruck would buy Embiid as much booze as he wants. First of all, yes. No, see, like, here's, you gotta think about this better. There's no dynamic in that house. No, like, it's just, you just have a bunch of, like, crazy, like, crazy idiots in that house. 93 Crook, Burl, and Embiid. Like, as fun as that would be, your house would go to shit. People would forget to pay to rent. No one would do the dishes. No one would organize do the, the party. Dishes. No one. Yeah, but you have to think about the dynamic of the house. No He's one would do the be... laundry. Like, you couldn't put three of me's in a house. We'd just be sitting around in dirty clothes all day. This is We are not looking for people that do laundry and are respectable. I, I understand. That's but not you why do... you go down the shore. You need a dynamic. Like, here, here's one. This is just a masochist. Joel Embiid, Malcolm Jenkins... And Kurt Schilling. That's ridiculous. That is Malcolm that, Jenkins and Kurt Schilling arguing about <laughs> race relations in America with Joel Embiid going, guys, guys, trust the governmental process. That's not a, that's not a short house. That's a real world episode. Um, yeah, that's bad. MCW. All right, so uh, here's one. And I got some, uh, a couple more yeah, real one quick. More. Uh, uh, <laughs> Pat, Pat Burrell, Darren Dalton, and Peter Zezel. 
I don't even I don't know what Peter Zessel is. Oh my God, the two of you! Uh, real quick, let's give our let's. Give, uh, I, I think I saw a question about this. Let's give our Philly Sports Talk Radio beach house. Russ. Oh, like radio hosts? Yeah. All right, I'll take Harry Mays. Okay, Russ goes first. I will go second. That's a good call on Harry. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll explain this. I'm gonna go with John Marks. John Marks. All right, explain. Oh, because he—he's notoriously a, a hard worker. He's a glue guy. Uh, he's I like he's I don't know if he's the best host on the radio, but he's worked with Missinelli, he's worked with Gargano, and he is largely credit. He's started up, uh, started from the bottom. Now he's here as a producer. He's uh. worked overnights. He works early. He would get shit done. He would organize the parties. He would handle the rent payment, all that stuff. You need a guy like that in the house. So I'll all go right, so I get to, to go start. back to back, right? Snake draft. Yep, snake draft. I'm going back to back. John Ritchie and then Ike Reese. I'm going two former Eagles in the house that have played on the same team. I'll find my main host later, but I got the two bros to handle down security, bringing in all the beer, uh, and people that I, I think would relatively do well in the scene. I don't know if this would... I guess he would still count because he's, he's in the world. I'll go Tony Bruno. He'd be a lot of fun. He, he, that guy looks like he knows how to throw a party. Adam, you cut out when you talked. Who did you pick? I picked uh, John Ritchie and Ike Reese. I went back-to-back former Eagles. You're up, Russ. All right. How, how many people do we still have to pick? Snake draft. You get two. You have to, you have to do two. You're wrapping them out. Ooh. As he's pulling uh, up the program lineups. No, I'm I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know who else. I'll take – I'll go Devon Gibbons. I'll, uh, I'll talk some basketball with him. And – uh, so who's in your house? Know. You got Harry Mays and Devon Givens. That's not a bad house. And like, yeah, like at that point, I don't know who a third person is. Like, is anyone inviting Rob like, Ellis to the party? Uh, uh, I. You know what? I'll, I'll go like Al Morgani, and I don't <sighs> really know. And, I, and like, I don't know why. Shit. I just I feel like he would be. I feel like he'd be kind of funny. And I, I feel like one. the dynamic between like between Maze and Morgani would be pretty funny. What yo? What if Maze someday on, let... like jumps ship to go and take Cataldi's spot? Anyway, go ahead. Kyle, who's your third pick? All right, so what, I got John Marks and Tony Bruno. I got a good combo. I got the I got the crazy party guy. I got the glue guy. Um, this is this is difficult. I was gone. I was actually Mar- Morgani's a really good pick here. Um, I, I'll I'll go with Cataldi. I'll go with Cataldi. I, him and Bruno have a real good dynamic. They used to work together. So I'll go with Marks as my glue guy. Cataldi Cataldi's definitely the leader, and Bruno's the party guy. That that's the house. Um, your guys' houses are nerd alerts. Uh, I we're doing radio hosts in Philly, right? Yeah. Perfect. I've got two football players. We're going down the shore. I want a radio host who is the shore. I want a radio host that when he gets on the airways, people say, I'm headed to the beach. Oh, no. And that radio oh, no. host. I know where he's going. Is Jerry Blavitt. Oh, I knew it. You can't, you can't take Blavitt. He's, he's, never ta- he's never talked about sports in his life. Give it a wood. Give it a wood. Give it a wood. 
Jerry Blavitt, Ike Reese, and John Ritchie. I mean, if I haven't heard a sweet shore house like that, you better buckle up your seatbelts, Becky, because Blavitt's in the place to be. You have, uh, is, is, is nerdy as what you just said is, that actually sounds like something Blavitt, a sentence Blavitt would have strung together. Give him the wood! Give him the wood! Give him the wood! You have the most Margate house of all time. I know, it's so dope. <laughs> Alright, let's real quick try and stump Russ as, as we go completely off the rails here. Alright, so All right, what, is, what are we doing with stump that Russ? That means that Remind we're, we're not talking what? about this uh, Josh Jackson report or anything. We're, we're going straight for this. Alright. All right, all right, well, okay. Well, the report is that the Celtics might draft Josh Jackson, a.k.a. the draft is in a week and a half, a.k.a. the Celtics are trying to see, not even a week and a half, less than a week, the Celtics are trying to drum up possible trade opportunities, but they're not good at this, and they're going to take Markel Fultz. Would it be... Uh, <laughs> Chad Ford reporting. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's about right. Would it be the most Danny Ainge thing ever to take Jackson, though? Yeah, they, they're not. They're not yeah. going to do it. Did he's you see Markel Fultz work out for the Lakers yesterday and how unhappy he looked? Like, why do I have to waste my time with this shit? Mm. Yep. I didn't no see one that. saw it. Okay. Yeah, it was – yeah, no, I saw it. It was uh, – He just looked unhappy in the photo. Lonzo was going in for his uh, second workout today, and apparently the Lakers are going to be meeting with his family, which, of course, in, is going to include what I'm hoping is a great photo op between Magic and LaVar. Do we have an update on if Lonzo's going to work out for the Sixers? Because I no. I will I want to get no down up, there for there, that. Uh, there's nothing. The only the only big time player to work out down there so far was Malik Monk, and who was the other? They haven't had any. That was other, it. They had I, Monk yesterday. They had an open workout with like the entire Villanova team because it, local teams always do that as a courtesy. They bring in the local guys. So while. Josh Hart is a legitimate workout for an NBA team. Like, I think they had Daryl Reynolds and uh, one other Nova guy there who aren't going to get drafted. Uh, so Adam, it was like Villanova like, and Malik Monk yesterday. I want to know if you guys are, are concerned about this at all. Like, I, I know that the teams do a lot of scouting, and they probably have a good idea of who they want to go after. But I'm alarmed by the fact that the Sixers are like the only lottery team that's or the only team in like the top five that hasn't really brought many guys in. Like Malik Monk is it. There's been no no rumor of a, of a Jonathan Isaac coming in, of De'Aaron Fox coming in. I didn't expect them to get a, a Fultz workout because why would they? Lonzo, we still don't know. Like where are these guys at? This is like it, and like when the Colangelos are the guys who are supposed to have the best contacts in the business and are supposed to, you know, be the ones bringing credibility to the organization. I don't understand how at well, this point remember, they haven't had guys in for the first workout. Let's remember your your fear because we nothing's going to change. Uh, maybe there will be some next week, and we'll update that Monday and Wednesday, and then Friday will be the one after the draft. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if something weird happens or if the right people aren't there or if they draft someone that didn't work out, look, I, I'm, I'll – I'm just going to bring up like Daryl Morey. They don't like workouts in Houston, so not every not every team believes in workouts. Uh, some of them believe that it kind of leads to a little bit of a bias, just because uh, why if they hit 50% from three uh, in my workout, but they average 36 for their career, that one session where they were hot could negatively impact my board. So. Well. There are both sides to this, but I don't think they're subscribing to the Daryl Morey way of uh, scouting. Well, let's and let's think about how useless they are. Like, look at that Malik Monk workout yesterday. He's 
he's, he's, he's playing with, I don't know, like staffers, like six or staffers, guys in long pants he's playing against, and he's just running off screens and shooting. I don't know how much you could see. I guess he had a bad start. He was two for 10 to start. Are the Sixers really going to dock him as a shooter because he fired up a few a few clankers in a meaningless scrimmage? Like, I, I don't no, know how much there, you even glean something to be said from these for... workouts. Like, put them against other prospects. Put They'll never do this because of the players and their agents won't agree to it. But put Malik Monk in the scrimmage. You have the Nova guys working out. Put him against Josh Hart. Hart's a good defender. See you know, see how he matches up against someone who might be defending him in the NBA. Like, see that firsthand in person. By the way, the Sixers are attending the private workout of Dennis, Dennis, wow, Dennis Smith Jr., I guess, today, or it is scheduled. So uh, they'll be there for that, wherever that may be. I don't know. I, I think there's a little bit to be said for running the guy through through your facilities, having the meet with the media. I know that when Hinky was here, they, they closed off the media to these things, but like even even something as simple as going through the motions of meeting with the Philly media. I agree. Is, I think putting I that, think that's more important than what you could see on the court. Like putting them in Yeah, putting, so that's why I'm saying like the fact that they haven't been bringing these guys in for meetings fair. is just is like slightly alarming, especially when teams like the Lakers have had in top prospects for two different workouts. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you that that book that you guys laugh at me for the Undoing Project. Oh boy. So so the only, it's just because the whole first chapter is about the Rockets scouting people for the draft and Daryl Morey's two things were I don't like private workouts. It makes us overvalue people and I don't like interviews because every one of these kids has a story in which you go wow they're a great person and it messes you up for the details so I see both sides and and we like it Russ because it, it, it it's like a little rush when you you see a guy you know wearing the Sixers warm-up shirt and he's you know he looks good and you go oh he wants to be here they just want to get drafted and as soon as they get drafted that's where they want to be except if you're Lonzo he's the only one with a real motive it seems like I'd actually like in the the thing you just talked about about bringing guys in and overvaluing them because you talked to them or had them in the building. I've actually always used this argument for the media thing, like the thing we do, sitting behind a computer screen and doing this. Because the minute you're in front of someone, as much as you can learn about someone by being in front of them or seeing them every day or multiple times or talking to them, it, it immediately neuters your actual opinion on them. No matter it's how the same in, reason, Kyle. No matter how impartial, when there's a psychopathic killer on a street. And they interview the neighbor and they go, every time I talk to him, he was just such a nice guy. Because once you meet someone in person, it's it's so hard to be completely like objective about them. Right. Because and you're like, wow, I met Derek Barnett, really nice guy. He ends up like punching someone in a bar fight. And you're like, man, I he seemed really nice. Yeah, you met him one time. Right, and most people aren't total assholes to strangers. And the serial right. killer, he's never the grumbly guy. He's always the guy who's aware that he has a freezer full of arms, so he's going to be real nice to you to not raise any suspicions. Exactly. That was a really inter- That would be a hell of a fantasy football team, freezer full of arms. Uh, <laughs> it's also what the Jets will have at their quarterback position this year. Uh, all right, that was fun. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Uh, for, so follow Russ at Joy on Broad, Kyle at Crossing Broad. I am at Adam Lefko. Uh, and then, Kyle, you want to kind of give the intro to this guy? 
Yeah, so this is uh, this is Ricky Berger. He is one of the two guys spearheading the effort along with uh, Lou Scheinfeld to build, have the Museum of Sports built down at the Jetro building. It sounds like they're going to get it done. They just got to raise a certain amount of money. So we were at a fundraiser last night. Here he is talking about the project. Pretty cool uh, project. It's going to be um, much different than you would expect out of a normal museum. So this is our interview with uh, Ricky and his now fiance, Lanny. Hey, 